There's a war that is going on right here, right now, in this place. There's a power struggle. And there are forces that you cannot see at work. And so my prayer is today that uh, your eyes, our eyes, would be opened, that we would see. Scripture talks about that if you have the blind leading the blind, they both fall into a ditch. So I'm praying that today God would enlighten us, that we would, as we move forward together, that God would empower us to live free, to live free. Because there's a struggle that's going on. There's such a power struggle that's at work right here, right now. Amen. And uh, I know we, we, we can worship and there are, there are those that they worship and they, it seems like they're so free to worship. And man, that's just awesome. And I wish I could do that. I wish I could have that freedom. I wish I could step out and just, there's a power struggle. Amen. There's something at work. Man. And I do want to welcome all of you. I am the pastor here, Pastor AJ at the Crossroads. I'm so glad that you're here. I want to welcome all of our guests. I try to explain things as much as possible. And uh, today, as you watch people worship and you think, man, that's awesome. I want to do that. You will. You will. Amen. God's going to empower you. He's going to enable you. Amen. I want to give a shout out to everybody that's watching online. Thank you for tuning in today. Amen. How many of you glad we got people watching us today? So many people check us out on uh, Facebook Live or live stream before they actually come to a service. We're just glad to have you, and we want you to join us in person soon. Amen. Recently, I've had several conversations with people that say, oh, pastor, I love our church, and and uh, I really want to be faithful, and I, I really want to get closer to God. But then they tell me many different ways something I have personally discovered that affects all of us, the power struggle. And this takes place in the life of every believer. We want to live a better life, a life that pleases God. Somehow, we just can't be consistent. And everybody said amen. Because when I said consistent, you all said, amen. I want us to focus on one chapter of the Bible today, Romans chapter 6. Uh, and if you have your Bible or your uh, electronic device that has a Bible on it, if you would open to that. And I want us just to focus on this one chapter. It was written with the express purpose of delivering us from the power struggle. So today I hope to give you, in the next few moments, I hope to give you a tool. Amen? I hope to help you. And uh, we all struggle. We all deal with consistency and inconsistency. And so as we look at the book of Romans chapter 6, I'm going to let you be seated because I will read the entire chapter today. I don't always do this. Matter of fact, it's very rare that I do this. But if you have your Bible, I want you just, please, Let's read this together, follow along, and let's just listen to what the Bible says, okay? I think uh, we'll read it today. We can read it out of uh, the King James, and uh, that, will, 
that will be good for everybody, right? Are you ready? What shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? He asked this question. Should we go ahead and continue to sin? There were some people that were saying, hey, we've got grace for our sin, so we should just sin a lot, and then we'll have a lot of grace. And Paul's like, should we sin because we have grace? And then he says, God forbid. How shall we that are dead to sin live any longer therein? Know ye not that so many of us, as were baptized into Jesus Christ, were baptized into His death? I know, look, that you are not going to hear this many places today. They're not going to preach this in the feel-good church. They just won't. Because they don't like to talk about death and dying out to your old self. And Verse 4, Therefore we are buried with Him by baptism into... There's that ugly word again. That, we're, this is why we do it. That like as Christ was raised Father, even so we should also... Newness of life is uh, the, the group called Unspoken. And I don't know if any of you like Unspoken, but I like the group Unspoken. One of their songs has a line in it one of their, on their new album that just came out recently. And it says, I'm always trying to be holy, but I'm still dealing with the old me. I don't know if that rings in your life, but I deal with that. And the Scripture says that if I am dead, if I am buried, I should then be able to walk in newness of life. How does that happen? That happens whenever I surrender my whole life to Him. And I repent and I turn from sin and I say, God, I am tired of sinning. I'm tired of displeasing you. I'm tired of, of upsetting you and, 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 and putting those nails back in your hands on the cross. I'm tired of crucifying you over and over again. I'm ready to stop living that way. That's where it starts. Because then I am dying out to what my flesh wants. And then I make the choice to be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. To have all of my sins washed away. And the scripture says, I'm buried with him. I go down with him. Amen. Paul didn't die for me. And Peter didn't die for me. But Jesus died for me. So when I am buried, I'm buried with him. Hallelujah. In the name of Jesus. And all of my sins are washed away. I have chance a chance for a new life. And then the Bible promises that He will fill us with the gift of the Holy Ghost. He will actually place His power on the inside of us and enable us and empower us to walk in newness of life. That's how it works. That's how it happens. It's, it's, it's really just incredible. And, and this church, we are different from a lot of churches. We are not into behavior modification. We are into total transformation. Amen. We want to see a total transformation. I don't want to just be good some days. I don't come on somebody. I don't want to just live like Jesus some days, but I want to be more like Jesus every day. I want to be transformed into his likeness. I want to walk in newness of life. Amen. There's a lot more left to read, so let's continue. 
For if we have been united together in the likeness of his death, when we're all baptized, we're all baptized the same way, in the name of Jesus. That's the only way they baptize. Certainly, we also shall be in the likeness of his resurrection. We're going to, we should start looking like we're all walking in newness of life. You shouldn't have people that are Christians that live like the old them. Well, knowing this, this is what he, he goes on to say this. I'm not putting words in his mouth. He says, knowing this, what? That our old man is crucified with him. Look, crucified, buried, dead, buried, and then he goes back to this. And he says, now our old, we know that our old man is crucified. That the body of sin might be destroyed, that henceforth we should not serve sin. For if he that is dead is freed from sin. Woo! You know somebody that's dead, they're not even tempted anymore. They're in the grave right now, they are not even tempted anymore. Like, you could parade riches by them, they don't care. You can drive in there with your Tesla, and they, would, they could care less. They don't care if you drive a, a Porsche Lamborghini and an Aston Martin. They don't care. They don't care how big your house is. None of that tempts them. You can walk the most beautiful people by them. They are not tempted at all. They just lay there. They're dead. I know that sounds so simplistic, but look at what the Scripture says. Our old man is crucified with him, that the body of sin might be destroyed, that henceforth we should not serve sin. For he that is dead is freed from sin. Now if we be dead with Christ, we believe that we shall also live with him. Now this is starting to get interesting. Because we're dead, but we're alive. For in that he died, he died unto sin once, but in that he liveth, he liveth unto God. And likewise, reckon, and that's, I think he got that from Kentucky somewhere. Paul always uses that, reckon. I think he, was, he had his roots in Kentucky. You know, I reckon he had his roots somewhere in Kentucky. But he says that we reckon, right? What does he say that we reckon? yourselves also to be dead indeed unto sin, but alive unto God through Jesus Christ our Lord. He's saying, you've got to make it to be so. I don't know if I can do that. Yeah, you can do it, because Paul said you can do it. He said you can reckon yourselves to be dead into, unto sin, but alive unto God through Jesus Christ. You can't do it by yourself. Are you with me? Let not sin, therefore, reign in your mortal body that ye should obey it in the lusts thereof. Don't let sin reign. Keep sin off the throne. Neither yield ye your members as instruments of unrighteousness unto sin, but yield yourselves unto God as those that are alive from the dead and your members as instruments of righteousness unto God. Now, some of you, you're, you're, you're getting caught up in this yield thing because ain't nobody in here like to submit. Nobody in here, you know. 
I, I have some women that are like, Pastor, are you going to be starting to talk about submit to your husband and blah, 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 blah? I don't even think that's right anymore. That's, that's outdated. The Scripture says, yield to God. Yield yourselves to God. Don't yield yourselves to sin. Well, that's nice. That's helpful. Why? For sin shall not have dominion over you. You are not under the law, but under grace. Now, now some people are, you know, this is what Paul was dealing with in this day. People were saying, we have, we have grace. It's okay. We can go ahead and sin. We can fornicate. God will, God will forgive us. We have grace. We can steal from our neighbors. We can do things we know aren't pleasing. We've got grace for all of that. And then Paul says, sin shall not have dominion over you because you are not under the law, but you are under grace. Do you know what grace is meant to do? It's meant to empower you to live above sin. It's meant to give you a leg up on sin. It's, it's meant to take you higher than sin. And the Scripture says, and, and I know just in case you're worried that I am taking this out of context, let's read the very next verse. What then? What do you want to do? Shall we sin because we're not under the law but under grace? Should, should we say, it's okay, we can do what we want to do. We don't have to listen to God. We don't have to listen to his word. We don't have to listen to pastor. We have his grace because Jesus died and everything's good. God forbid. He says, God forbid. That's, that's not at all what that means. And he goes on to explain why. You're like, oh, oh pastor, you're just saying that because you're a preacher. You're just saying that because you want power. You're just saying that. Blah, blah. No, no, no. Let, let me explain, okay? Let, let me help you today because the Scripture, it speaks for itself. This is what it says. Know ye not that to whom ye yield yourselves servants to obey, his servants ye are to whom ye obey, whether of sin unto death or of obedience unto righteousness. So there's a really good reason why you yield to God. There's a really good reason why you don't yield to sin. This is what Paul is telling them. And, and he says, but God be thanked. Thank God for this, right? He's saying, but God be thanked because you were the servants of sin. You used to do all those things that you would yield yourself to sin. and You used to be the servant, but... Oh, yeah. He says, but ye have obeyed from the heart that form of doctrine which was delivered unto you. You were servants to sin, but you obeyed what you knew God wanted you to do. You followed God's word that was delivered to you. And because of that, look at what it says. Now you are made free from sin, and you became servants of righteousness. Because you obeyed, you were set free. Oh, yeah. Some of you are wondering where I'm going. I'm telling you, you can live free. You are so tired of living conflicted. You're so tired of every 
day just just troubled in your spirit. You know something's not, or you know that you're not where you need to be. And sometimes it even keeps you from being at church. Sometimes it keeps you from being around the right people. I better keep reading. I speak after the manner of men. That's what Paul said. He said, I'm trying to relate this to where you can understand it. He said, I'm trying to give you this in a way that you'll get it because of the infirmity of your flesh. For as ye have yielded. He said, look, I know everybody has weakness. I get it. I get it that everybody has a struggle that's going on. And he says, ye have yielded your members as servants to uncleanness and to iniquity unto iniquity. Just compiles. One sin leads to another sin, leads to another sin. And then before you know it, you're just back out where you were. Well, this is, this is, look, I'm just preaching what the Bible says. I'm not taking this out of context. If you think so, please just read it for yourself. Go through it all on your own. I'm not trying to, to, to bully you today. This is what the Word says, verse 20. For when ye were the servants of sin, ye were free from righteousness. So when I say live free, I don't mean live free from righteousness. When I say live free, I mean live free from sin. Amen. Live free in the power struggle that sin is trying to place on you. And then he says, now look, I like how he breaks this down. Verse 21, he says, okay, all right, let's, let me reason with you. What fruit had ye then in those things whereof ye are now ashamed? What good did your sin do you? What good did your sin do you? For some of you, it costs you your marriage. Some of you, it costs you your, your children. For, for some of you, you've lost so much and you feel like you've lost so much time and things are just, you know, it can never be as good as God had intended. The, the devil is a liar, by the way. But Paul says, what good did it do you when you were yielded to sin? What fruit did it bring? What, what did it produce? It didn't produce anything good. And then he goes on to say, for the end of those things is death. You know, it's, it's not going to end well. When you yield to sin, it will never end well. And he said, so think about it. Let, let me just reason with you. What good is it to yield to sin? And then he says in verse 22, but now being made free from sin and become servants to God, Ye have your fruit unto holiness. That's not a bad word. I'm just going to go over that one more time. For, for all of us that missed out, holiness is an attitude that says, God, whatever I can do to please you. I just want to please you. It's not about rules and standards and, and you got to have this. and It's it, God, whatever I can do to please you. That's what holiness says. God, you are holy. I want to please you. I want my life to be holy. All right. So now that we understand being made free from sin, we have become servants to, you're going to serve somebody. You become servants to God. You have your fruit unto holiness. Now what happens is because you're yielded to God and you're like, God, whatever I can do to please you, guess what? Guess what? 
the end is everlasting life. You're no more destined for death. You're no more destined for hell. Come on, somebody. You have everlasting life. You've got eternal life. Not only is it going to be good there, it's going to be good here. It's going to be so much better for you here. And I wish somebody would hear me. Holiness is not the wrong way. It's the right way. Holiness is not the old way. It's the way for today. God is calling us to be more like him. God is calling us to have an attitude and a heart that wants to please him. Because the end of that is everlasting life. Amen. And just to make sure that we didn't miss it, he goes over it one more time. He sums it all up in that one powerful verse that I quote so often. For the wages of sin, the payment, the consequence, the result of yielding to sin and being a servant to sin is death. You're going to die somehow, some way. You might as well decide, I'm going to die now. I'm just going to let that go now. I'm going to give it up now. The wages of sin is death, so I'm going to choose the gift of God, which is eternal life through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen? Maybe you have heard of the Africa decision myth. Anybody ever heard of the Africa decision myth? A couple of you, maybe. Uh, this is how it goes. It's really simple. Maybe you've heard it or said it before, but the idea is simple. If God asks me to go to Africa, I will go. In other words, I will live my life my way, and then if God busts in and interrupts everything, gives me a flashing billboard, sign in the heavens with booming voices, I will do as he asks. The problem is, it doesn't work that way. The people who go to Africa or Europe or Central America, uh, or their co-workers with the gospel, they don't make one massive decision. They make a million choices, little ones, which lead to something big and visible. It's the small stuff, the seemingly inconsequential, which builds towards something massive. Romans 6 is teaching us here the power of the smallest decisions. We are dead to sin. We are alive to God. We must reckon it to be so. We must believe it to be so. We must act as if it's so. We, we must move forward as if it has already happened. We have died with Jesus on His cross, so now we can live in newness of life with Him right now. Everybody say, right now. I can live with Him right now. I don't have to wait till some glorious day to get to heaven. I can have heaven right now. I can, come on somebody, I can be in His presence right now, not later. I can have newness of life right now. I can have power right now. I can see miracles right now. Come on, somebody. I can receive the Holy Ghost right now. We have got to get this. There's a battle happening. There's a struggle happening. It's not, it's not that, you know, the devil knows he's already defeated, so he's just going to make things complicated. Here, here, let me say if I can see it real plain here. Sin desires to sit on the throne of our lives. It wants to enslave us. It's trying to take our human appetites and turn them against us. Man, 
you wonder how the devil's so crafty and cunning. He's been, he's been doing this for years. He knows the patterns and the habits and the character flaws of men. Sin seeks to enter in, and though we are born again, we become enslaved. Not subjugated, but we are enslaved. Slavery to sin, though, is not our destiny. We do not have to come under its power. We are enslaved to something. Now, some of you, before you get too nervous, you're like, well, I'm born again, that means I'm good, and uh, I've got eternal life, and it, you, you do. But it's not once saved, always saved. If you come back under sin, you are placing yourself back outside of the realm of God's presence and His grace and mercy. If you choose to yield yourself to God, that's where you'll have everlasting life. Sin wants to enter in, and though you are born again, you have a struggle. You don't have to come under sin's power. You don't have to, you don't have to subject yourself to sin. We will be subject to something. We will be enslaved to something. The bad option is sin. That's the one that produces death. It's kind of like Paul makes it so easy. He's like, look, you've got two options. Sin or God. I mean, he just, like, it can't be any more simple than it is in Romans chapter 6, right? And, and some of us wonder why we struggle and why we're dealing with all this, because sometimes we choose God, and sometimes we choose sin. Now, sometimes you say, well, well, I don't choose sin. No, we don't call it sin. We call it what we want. <laughs> well, it's getting deep in here. I better... The good option for us is righteousness. The good option is to go God's way, to be pleasing to God. So you have to ask yourself, to which am I surrendered? Now, some, some of you, oh, I'm surrendered to God. Okay. All right. In the sight of God, you are a slave of righteousness. In the sight of God. God sees you this way. As you present This is not going to be, you are not going to like this next part. As you present your body a living sacrifice, you are pleasing, you are acceptable to God. You can become a slave of God. Don't be getting nervous because pastors talk about slavery. It's okay. This kind of slavery is good. Well, if we don't submit and we don't surrender and we don't become enslaved to God and His will for our life, the only other option is death because we were slaves to sin. Oh yeah, not, not sin, but what I want. We must submit. We must surrender to God's plan for our life. This is the only truly way, that, the true way that we can live free. Because really, uh, he says we were free from uh, uh, righteousness, but that's no way to really, you're not really free. 1 Peter 2.16 in the King James says, as free and not using your liberty as a cloak of maliciousness, but as the servants of God. And then in the ESV it says, live as people who are free, not using your freedom as a cover-up for evil. 
I'm free. I'm free. I got a, I've got freedom, you know. Pastor, don't tell me what to, what to do. Don't tell me how to act. Don't tell me how to look. Pastor, just let me be. I'm free. Quit being so judgmental. I, you know, I, I, I just... Just because I have freedom, that doesn't mean I can do whatever I want. I mean, we live in a free country. There are laws and there are things I need to follow if I want to stay free. America is a free country. You just can't go around doing whatever you want, breaking into other people's homes, taking their stuff because, hey, I live in America. I'm free. We are free, but only as long as we abide by the laws of the free nation. We are only free as we ab- Oh, I wish you'd get this now. We're only truly free as we abide by the laws of righteousness that God has set forth in His Word. We can make up our own, but that doesn't make God a liar. That means that whatever we say and whatever we do, it better line up with the Word of God. It better line up with His precepts and His principles and His guidelines. Because we're only free if we abide by His law. Well, I can break God's laws, and it's no big deal. You're right. You're right. It's no big deal. You know what one of his laws is? Gravity. Go ahead and jump off a building and see how much. Well, I'm breaking God's law. Watch this. Let's see how long that lasts. It'll be exhilarating for a couple seconds. And then the broken law will break you. That's what sin will do to you. Sin will quickly end in death. Yes, there's pleasure in sin for a season, but the end thereof, come on somebody, you got to get this today. You might as well make up your mind. I'm going to make choices every day to yield myself to God. I'm going to become who God wants me to be. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. And Paul praised the Thessalonian church for accepting the gospel in 1 Thessalonians 2.13. This is what he said, not as the word of men, but what it is, the word of God. They embraced it. They accepted it. They said, you know what, we, we take that, we receive that, we will apply that to our lives. And then in 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17, it says, All Scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness. But there's a lot of churches that say, well, this part isn't for us, or that part is not for us. Well, you're taking that a little too literal. No, all Scripture. All Scripture is given. There are some parts that I really don't like. I preached on one a couple weeks ago. I preached on that. Man, it hurt to preach on that one. I'm telling you, I preached about it. I told y'all. I, I didn't tell you here. I told, I told him in Louisville. I said, man, this hurts. This is hard for me to love those, those terrorists and love those people who do these bad things. It's hard for me to love them. That's what I'm commanded to do, to love them. I don't like that part of the Bible, but, it, you know, I'm never more like Jesus than when I do that. So just because I don't like it doesn't mean I, I should just ignore it. Be like Thomas Jefferson and cut parts of the Bible out and only keep the ones I like. Well, anyways. <laughs> in our information age, you know, uh, the Word of God is very life-giving, but in this techno- technological uh, crazed age that we live in, many Christians are placing the Word of God in a very low place of their lives. It becomes like an advice column. 
It's like it carries the weight of our favorite blog, but this is not really how it was meant to be. Oh, yeah, that sounds great. Maybe I'll do that. No, the Word of God teaches us the gospel. It teaches us the truth. The Word of God shows us ourselves. The Scripture says like, it's like we're looking into a mirror. We're seeing what needs fixed, what needs worked. And the Word of God is authoritative, and God has given us all things that we need for life and for godliness. We find that in 2 Peter 1.3. The Word of God is a gift. So we must come under it rather than position ourselves over it. He gave it to us so that we could yield to it, so that we could have everlasting life, so that we could have abundant life. But sometimes people say, I know better. It never ends well. According to Romans 6, we present ourselves wholly to the Master and to His Word. While we do, we become addicted. Addicted. When I was growing up, there's this guy named Carmen. He sang this song called Addicted to Jesus. Talk about people have addictions, all these things. You know, sometimes you just have to get to that place in your life when, you know, they say if you'll do something for like 21 days, right, it becomes a habit. You know, we need to get addicted to Jesus. We, we need to, I got to, I can't live, another, I can't go another hour. I got to have me some more Jesus. Amen. I need more of Jesus in my life. We've got to get addicted to him. Amen. And what he has for us. And while we do this, what happens is when we get addicted, we, we have a different life. We start walking in newness of life because we can't get enough Jesus. And because we can't get enough Jesus, Jesus says, look, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to show you something. And the things that used to grab and hold and pull us down, they can't, they can't touch us anymore. We, we just walk past it. It's like, I'm dead to that stuff. That, that doesn't even matter anymore. I, I don't want to be in that anymore. But there's a power struggle, and we've got to live free. And so when we experience freedom from sin and freedom from uh, the slavery of the things of this world and the things that our flesh wants, we can become slaves to righteousness and get addicted to Jesus. And, and I find, uh, according to uh, the, the, the book of Judges, chapter 3, you can read this for yourself, uh, verses 12 through 30, I find this man named Ehud. You're like, why are you bringing up Ehud? I've never, I don't know, I don't think I've ever preached on Ehud. Most of you have been here 18 years, ever heard me preach on Ehud? Sister Geta, Sister, Sister Allen, nobody? Okay, good, I haven't preached on Ehud. All right, here you go, brand new stuff today. Ehud had the miserable task of delivering the tribute to King Eglon of the Moabites. They were... Uh, basically captives to the Moabites. And one day, Ehud took a dagger, and he snuck this dagger into the king's chamber. And privately, he said, I need to, I got to tell something to the king privately. And, and, and so they made them all go out, and everybody was gone. And he, he goes in, and, and Ehud stabs Eglon. And he liberates Israel from its captor. I, I've never really thought about this, but have you ever noticed what the weapon was that he fashioned? It was a double-edged sword. 
Hebrews tells us the Word of God is living and active and sharper than any two-edged sword, Hebrews 4.12. Ephesians tells us the Word of the Spirit, the sword of the Spirit is the Word of God, Ephesians 6.17. And so Ehud uses the sword to find freedom. You want to find... I wish you got that. Some of you just, just went right past you. You want to have freedom in your life. You need a double-edged sword. You need to come after that captor and you need to say, no, that's a lie from the pit of hell. I will not succumb to that. This is what the Word of God says. I know that's what the doctor says, but this is what the Word of God says. I know that's what my family says, but this is what the Word of God says. I will not be captive because I've got the sword of the Spirit. Hallelujah. And in newness of life, you can walk and you can gain ground and his resurrection becomes your experience and you can live free because you've got a double-edged sword at your side and nothing can hurt you, nothing can come against you. And even if you find yourself in a bad situation, you can pull out that offensive weapon and say, God, I'm going to use this for victory. And some of us over here just trying to be like, I read my Bible every day. You oughta. If you're not, you are missing out on those power sources. If you are not reading the Bible, it's kind of like going to battle and leaving your weapon at home. Brother Miguel, whenever you were in the military, if y'all went out and they didn't have their weapons on, they would, they would not only get written up, that would, that's like big time, right, Brother Al? You, you gotta, if you're going to go out to the battlefield, you got to have your weapon on. Why in the world would we think it is acceptable as Christians to go out to the battlefield every day without having... I wish somebody in here would say, you know what? I'm going to make it a decision. And every day, I'm going to set a reminder on my phone. Every morning, one of the first things I do is going to be, I'm going to get into the Word of God. I want to hear it. I want to read it. I want to apply it to my life. I may not understand everything, but I'm going to, I'm going to apply myself to get everything that I can out of the Word of God because it's a sword in my hand. Hallelujah. And the more you do it, the more addicted you'll get. Some people wonder why some people quit showing up at church. They're not addicted. You got to get addicted to this. Amen. There is a shaking going on in our world, and everything that can be shaken will be shaken. You better get a hold of this. Amen. You better get addicted to righteousness, addicted to holiness, addicted to godliness. You got to get to the place where you say, I got to have more of Jesus than I've ever had before. Amen. Amen. I'm, I'm just about there. I, I told you I wasn't going to leave. I'm just not hyping you today. I've got to give you tools before you leave, okay? I just gave you one. Read every day. Read every day. The, the, the statistics are there. I, I'm not going to show them to you today, but the statistics are there. The people who successfully live for God and, and, and are successful in living for God, they read the Bible every day. Every day. All right. I'm moving on. Romans 6, verses 8 through 14, we, we were reading that, and I don't know if you caught it, but it kind of catches the tension, uh, the central tension of, 
our life, the power struggle that goes on, that we have died to sin, but we still, but we still sin. Anybody ever you, you struggle with that? Like, God, why if I'm dead to sin? Why if I've committed my life to you? Why do I still sin? Why do I still make these mistakes? God, why is this happening? So I've been really thinking about this, praying about this. If we have died with Christ, the Scripture says we should also live with Him. So how can I make sense of what that Scripture is telling me? How does that work? So uh, not to go back to war, but let's, let's use an analogy that maybe you'll understand. Imagine a small country that was being ruled by a foreign power for many years. And the rightful owners, okay, the original, the rightful owners return and they take over that country. And the central identity of that country is then restored. But those invaders, the ones that had been, uh, that had taken over and had been ruling, they really don't have any claim over the nation. They were just there. They were just making a mess of things. And, and so the rightful owners come back, they take over, and, and the central identity of the country is restored. But that doesn't mean that every single one of those invaders is now out of the country. And so physically, some of them are still in, and there's pockets here and pockets there, and there may be one faction over here and one little group over there. And so they remain and they work hard to reinstate their illegitimate reign. The country's identity remains its rightful identity, but that doesn't mean that there aren't still battles being fought over specific areas and land and power is being fought over and there are little skirmishes here and there. Why? Because as long as you are alive, amen, there's going to be things in your flesh that are going to rise up and they're going to try to take over and you've got to realize, amen, our flesh needs to respond to Jesus Christ to become the king of our lives. We are his, we bear his name, but we will continually fight these uprisings. Take a deep breath. As long as you're doing that right there, you're going to have this struggle. I know that's not good news for some of you. The good news is, though, just like you went hard after sin, you can go hard after God. Just like you were all in in that sinful lifestyle, you can be all in for Jesus. Amen. You've got to go after sanctification. You've got to go after becoming like Jesus. The great preacher Charles Spurgeon said, in the days of our sin, we sinned with all our power. There was not one part of us, but what became the willing servant of sin. And we went from iniquity to iniquity, and now the cross has made us entirely new, and we have been melted down, poured out into a fresh mold. Now let us yield every member of our body, soul, and spirit to righteousness, even unto holiness, till the whole of us in wholeness and consequently the holiness of our nature shall be given to God. Oh, that sounds awesome. Now, how do we do that? How is that possible? Okay, I'm I'm closing. Here it is. I'm going to give you four things. Maybe we should look at how we used to pursue sin. Because he says, as you did, you need to go after God. So, when I was in sin, I pursued a community. I found people who would encourage my proclivities. I found people who wanted to drink with me. I found people who wanted to go party with me. I found people who wanted to do bad stuff with me. I was looking for those people. Those are the people I wanted over. Those are the people I wanted to hang out with. 
they operated as a support system whenever I was getting ready to chicken out. <laughs> it's, you know, it's, it's tight, but it's right. Amen. Guess what? The Christians got to do the same thing in their pursuit of sanctification. The community is standard equipment. You want to live for Jesus, you need the standard operating equipment. And you know what you need? A community. The community is standard equipment for the believer. We need other believers who will encourage us to live for him. And when things get, get bad and they get rough and we want to chicken out, we need some people, oh, come on now, you can do this. You can do this. God's never let you down. God's always going to be there for you. You need a community. Amen. You need a family. You need the body of Christ more than you ever had before. Come on, somebody. It's a shame that people of the world have more support to do their sin than people. Come on, somebody. Then the body of Christ has support to do righteousness. So all of us, we need community. We need people to encourage us, people to be with us, people to help us and uplift us. Because I'm going hard after God. I'm addicted to Jesus. I don't want to have people in my life that are encouraging me to go get drunk again. I don't need people that are encouraging me to look at the wrong things and come over to my house and watch this movie. Well, come on, somebody. I need some people in my life that will say, hey, let's get together and have some coffee and talk about Jesus. Amen. Let's go talk to somebody and pray for so-and-so. God, let, come on, somebody. I need people in my life that will say, I want to be there for you. You're going to be great today. Things are going to go well for you. Because God is on your side. All right, that was number one. If you're taking notes, I, I pursued community. Number two, when I was in sin, I learned. I learned. I was born in sin, but I had a lot to learn. It took education. I had to watch a lot and listen to a lot. I had to acquire a taste for some things. Oh, man, I wish, y'all, this is so good. I wish you just would soak it up today. Look, I'm not saying that I, I'm preaching good uh, a lot, but I'm saying I'm preaching good right now. I, even, if, even if you don't like, this is good right here. Why? I've applied myself to learn. You don't come out of the womb knowing how to cuss. You learned that. You don't come out of the womb liking hard liquor. You learned that. You sure enough didn't know how to dance in Boogaloo. You learned that. I don't know. Some people, maybe they did. I don't know. Some people just got that rhythm. But I had to learn the ways of the world. I had to learn to be street smart. In a sense, it was discipleship. The Christian must do the same when they are pursuing sanctification. i got to learn. I've got so much of some of you, oh, I just don't know if I can do it because there's so much to learn. So many people are so far ahead of me. That never stopped you in the world. That didn't stop you with sin. Man, you found some good sinners. Well, you found some people that really knew how to party. And the, Come on now, I'm telling you, y'all just looking at me like I've lost my mind. That's the truth. And you wonder why you can't get addicted to Jesus because you're hanging out with the same people. You want to learn better ways? you got to hang out with the right people. 
You got to get good people in your life. You got to get praying people in your life, reading people in your life. So what do I do? I got to learn. I got to watch. I got to be taught. I got to hear the Word of God. I need to get explanation for the Word of God. I got to apply the Word of God to my life, and I got to develop a new mind. I'm going to learn this. I'm going to learn this. I know I got a long way to go. Amen. Some people can out-preach me. There's some people that can out-sing. Well, everybody just about can out-sing me. But there's some people, they have deeper Bible knowledge than me. Man, things are, and I'm just, sometimes I just shake my head, and I'm like, oh, man. But then I'm like, you know what? Forget it. I can learn. I can learn. I got this. Amen. God gave me a brain, and he gave me the determination. I'm going to get this. Some of y'all won't like this next one. Number three, when I was in sin, I planned. Uh, There were moments of temptation where sin would present itself to me, and I would fall. But then there were other times where my sin was premeditated. David said, keep me from presumptuous sins. Oh, you didn't think that was a thing? That was a thing. Back then, and it's still a thing today. Some of y'all are still premeditating your sin. Mm. I'm, I, you know, I know I'm going to wait till nobody's around, and I'm going to... You got it all figured out where nobody's going to know, and you're not going to post it so pastor doesn't see it. I'm telling you the truth today. I would plan and prepare in advance for my moments of rebellion. Wouldn't I, mother? It's, you know, it's not always easy to pastor your parents, especially when they know everything about you. But I'm telling you the truth right now. I was not always the best. I was not what you see today. I, I was not as spiritual as I have become. I got addicted to Jesus. Thank, thank the Lord for that. But I would plan. I would scheme. <laughs> I would manipulate. That's good preaching, Pastor. That's good preaching. We want living for God to be so easy. We want it just to fall in our lap. I want to be tempted to live for God. That ain't happening. That is not going to happen. You are not going to, oops, I'm walking in righteousness. I woke up today on cloud nine and... The devil is a liar. It's not going to happen. You're going to have to plan for it. You're going to have to prepare for it. you got to make up your mind. Today is the day the Lord has made. I will rejoice and be glad in it. I made arrangements to sin, but now I'm going to make arrangements to live righteously. I'm going to make arrangements to live holy. Hold on, hold on. I got to get to this. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to just venture to say that some of you know there are some things that need arranged, need planned, need prepared for. Some of you, 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 
you're saying oops, but it's not really an oops. You knew it was coming. You saw it. And you didn't say anything about it. So in essence, you planned to do the wrong thing. You, you got to plan and arrange to do the right thing, to follow God, to yield to God. I'm, I'm just going to be honest. I am so tired of people that just keep coming. To, oh, pastor, I just, I fell again. I fell again. I messed up again. Look, I love you, and I really, I am not trying to condemn you in any way, shape, or form. I'm telling you there is a way for you to live above that. I'm saying just like you planned to do the wrong things and you allowed things to come into your life, you've got a plan to do the yielding to God. You've got a plan to live righteously and holy and godly. You've got to make a plan. You've got to prepare. How many of you out there, how many of you out there, just, just give me just a second, how many of you out there, uh, you prepared for coming to church today? In our house, this is what Saturday night looks like. Everybody get your clothes ready. Why? Because Sunday morning is like all hell breaks loose. You know, stomachs hurt, uh, headaches, uh, dogs barking, things going crazy. World War III shows up in your living room on Sunday morning, every Sunday. And if you have to go through that minefield just to find what outfits you're going to wear, you're probably not going anywhere. So what we do is we say, guess what? We're going to tomorrow, Ashton, go get your clothes, pull, bring them up here. We're going to have them ironed. We're going to have them ready to go. <laughs> Look, I'm not, okay, let me, let me move on. because I know some of you think I'm just trying to give props to my family. I'm not. How many of you, uh, you have a routine every morning? Maybe you work out. Maybe you, you run. Maybe, you, uh, maybe at least hopefully you take a shower. Anybody, uh, you have a routine. You brush your teeth. You do those things. Why? You're preparing for your day, right? Uh, we have practices, all of us. We have routines, maybe different, but we all, to, the, to some extent, we are all going to put our clothes on. Before we walk out naked, we are going to put our clothes on. We are going to brush our teeth. We're going to do something. Most of us are going to do something. I'm not, uh, Brother Cooper, I'm not picking on you. We're going to do something with our hair. We, we are, I mean, we are going to do something. We're going to prepare because we realize when we step out of this. Now, I know some people do not live like that and they go to Walmart in their pajamas. I get it. I get it. But. Most of us responsible people, we are going to make a plan, and, and before we go out, we are going to be prepared. It's the same in your spiritual life. What do you do to prepare for your day? Do you go out spiritually naked? Some of us do. And then we wonder why we feel so humiliated at the end of the day. Because you've been walking around spiritually naked all day. You didn't pray. You didn't spend any time in God's Word. You did not encourage yourself in the Lord. You didn't put on the whole armor of God. And you wonder why. Oh, I fell to sin again. Yeah. It's not rocket science. you got to be prepared. Oh, y'all love me still? Amen. If I... I'm going to plan to do sin. 
that's what I used to do, then I got a plan to do the right things. I've got to, I got to set some time aside. I have to, I have to make time. You know, it's easy to, you know, just kind of ignore. I got the calendar. My calendar has to reflect. Jesus is my priority. Some people have sports as their priority, and their kids' sports as their priority, and, the, and, and this club, and this happened, and that, and, and we, got, we got a lot of stuff, and no spiritual preparation. And we're, we're really wondering why we're so weak, and why we never can get a handle on this thing, and really live for God. We're not spiritually prepared. All right, last thing, and I promise I'm closing. When I was in my sin, I worshiped. I didn't worship Christ, but I worshiped sin. I praised it for what I thought it would bring me. In a sense, I worshiped me and everything that temporarily made me happy. That's what I gave my excitement to. That's what I gave my worship to. It, it, was, it was a me worship. We're not going to say, look, you're not going to come into church and be like, oh, I don't worship me. I, Pastor, you must be talking about everybody else. This does not really affect me. Oh, yes, it does. This affects all of us. We do what we want to do. But, but, Pastor, I really don't have time. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we do. You know, it's amazing if somebody gave you a, a really nice car, you would find time to drive it. You would make time to drive it. If somebody said, hey, look, if somebody walked up in here today and said, hey, uh, <clears throat> I just wanted you to know I've got this beautiful condo that's on the beach in Florida, and I had a week cancel, and I, I can't go. It's a beautiful house, has granite countertops, and uh, stainless steel everywhere, and it's just so nice. And you just walk right out. Literally, it's like 20 steps to the beach. And, and, and I have three weeks from now, I have, you know, how many of you would move heaven and earth? You'd be calling your boss today. You'd be like, I feel like I'm going to be sick in three weeks. I'm going to be really sick in three weeks. I can just tell you right now, I feel some virus coming on. They said it's a 21-day delay virus. Wouldn't we? We would. Why? We would make time. We would take off work. Shoo. It's really deep now. Man. And some of us, we can't be bothered to be here for prayer. We can't be bothered to be here every Sunday for service. You know, somebody told me that one time. They said, you know, Pastor, I can't make it every Sunday. I hope Jesus doesn't come on the Sunday you decide to stay home. <laughs> pastor, Pastor, you got to go easy on me. I'm, I'm trying to go easy on you, but let me just say, I worshiped me. I did what I wanted to do. And if I wanted to do it, that's what happened. Now, it's not what I want to do. Now, I'm dead to that, and I've got to be more about, God, what do you want from me today? What do you want from my life this week? What are you hoping? And this is where, this is where you know, God is going to uh, impress some of you. You need to do this, or you, you need to do that, and you're going to be like, ah. Oh. 
do I do that or do I do what I want to do? And that, that is the choice that you're going to have to make. That's, you know, the million choices that build to something big. God, are you calling me to the mission field? If you call me to uh, go to Costa Rica, God, I'll go. God, if you call me to go to Germany, God, I'll go. God, if you call me to go to Asia, I'll go. And he's like, I'm calling you to go to the crossroads this Sunday. And next Sunday. And the following Sunday. I'm, I'm wanting to build you up. I'm wanting to encourage you, to strengthen you, to empower you. And if you'll be there, I can give you more. Come on, somebody. I can do more for you in just a few minutes than watching television will do for you all week. Stand with me. I've gone too long. I really have. I didn't mean to go this long, but man, I hope this helps you. How do, we, how do we close this out? Well, the first thing we need to do, if you haven't already, you need to surrender your life completely to God. When you repent, you let go of everything, every grudge, every hurt, every pain. You forgive because you know as I forgive, He can forgive me. And so if you are holding on to stuff, you can't truly repent. You have to let loose of that stuff. You have to let go of that stuff. But they, you don't know what they did to me. You don't know what he suffered for us. He was crucified. He took stripes upon his back. There's nothing that anybody has done or said or behaved to you that is worse than what we have done to him. And he forgave us. So repent. Surrender your life to him. Then and only then will you begin to be free of the past. You, you can't... This is why repentance doesn't work if you don't, you don't forgive. You have to forgive yourself and you have to forgive others. The reason that that doesn't work if you don't forgive is because you're still holding on to the past. And repentance is turning from the past, letting go of the past. Once you have died out to the old Jew, you need to be buried with Christ. You need to be baptized in the name of Jesus. This will wash away everything that you have ever thought, said, or done in your life. And as you surrender completely, God will fill you with His Holy Spirit and His power will fill your life. So today, start before you leave. Start before you leave. I, I wonder if today, that before you leave here, I wonder if you just take some time in, in communion and relationship and in conversation with God, and you would start planning today, how will you pursue community with godly people from here on out? How will I do that? How, how can I have more community of godly people in my life? I'm telling you, there's a lot of great people that you can connect with right here. Number two, how will you apply yourself to learn the ways of God? What are you going to do differently this week than you did last week? Number three, how will you start planning or spiritually prepping your days? Practical steps you can take. There's easy ones. doesn't take two hours every day. Just give it some time every morning. Number four, how will you worship God and not yourself? What things do, that, that need to change right now about how you're making decisions, what, what can you start doing right now? All right, that's it. I'm done. I've preached everything that God gave me to preach to you today. I've unburdened my heart. The altar's open. If you want to respond, respond today. Find a place. Talk to God. Amen. Start 
prepping today. Start planning today. Start making the decision. I'm going to live free. This struggle that goes on in me, the, the devil is not going to win. My flesh is not going to win. I will rise above. I will overcome my flesh. I will yield unto God. Today is your day. Today is your day. You've got a great opportunity. You've got people surrounding you today that want to encourage you. They want to uplift you. They want to make it easier for you to do this. They will be your community. They will be your support. All you have to do is surrender today. All you have to do is yield. Why don't you give God a chance today? He can make the difference in your life.